Welcome to the La Dolce Vita Show, a woman's guide to living a fearless and fabulous life. My name is Heather Pickin, and I am here to give you that winning formula so that you can get clear on your vision, stay true to your values, and break through those mental walls. Check out my free resources at heatherpickin.com. This podcast is brought to you by Fierce Femme Wine, a woman's wine that inspires dialogue for change. Visit fiercefemme.com. So let's get ready as we uncover the formula to your success in business, career, and fabulous life. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the La Dolce Vita Show, a woman's guide to living a fearless and fabulous life. And I am your guide right here on this show. We break down the formula on what it takes in order to be that fearless woman in the world today uh, as a leader, as a visionary leader and in your life. And I have to tell you, I'm excited to share with you my next guest because we're talking about using your voice, like how to use that with your vision, your mission, and your purpose. And I want to introduce Mari Morrison to my show. Mari, thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, my pleasure. And, you know, I, I'm going to put the bio so everyone can read that. But what is really interesting, why I asked Mari to be on the show. So she's an actress. Um, she was actually in this film that I saw online called Don't Silence Me. We're going to be talking about that in a minute. And the reason why this was so important is that we are living right now as women, we're living in a really interesting time where we are starting to be heard with some of the things that are going on in the world, in the workplace, um, all different types of issues uh, politically. And I feel as challenging as we are still, you know, the challenges that we're facing right now um, actually gives us the opportunity to create a platform. So when I came across uh, Mari's film, I was just blown away, like, wow, what an amazing woman. And you're just sharing her work and the, and the women in this film, just sharing their vulnerability and standing up for themselves. So I want to talk a lot about that and just this whole idea about, you know, as women, why it's so important to use our voice um, and, and how we can do that. So Mari, thank you so much for being my guest today. Well, thank you. What a great introduction. Thanks very much. My pleasure. Now, I want to go back and understand your formula because that's what I do. Break it, break it down, being fearless. Um, what made you like decide to go on this journey about really, you know, doing the work that you do today? Let's just start there. So not, uh, you're not asking me about the video specifically. Oh, we'll get to the video. Yeah. Okay. I just okay. want, yeah. So obviously there was something that led up to that, but why, um, why did you decide to go down this path of, you know, doing the work that you're doing today? Well, yeah, I'm an actor. And I think ever since I was about seven, my dad, my dad always wanted to be an actor, but his dad had told him it wasn't a serious profession. And so not to do it. Um, and I think because of that, dad sort of wanted to live, maybe vicariously through me. So I went to acting classes very young and then went to a, a drama school. And it was when I was in drama school in Scotland that I came across a director called Augusto Boel, who created a form of theater called Theater of Cruelty, where he would go into a specific area 
for example, a, a remote tribe somewhere. And if there was an issue, maybe, maybe women were being hit by their husbands, for example. He would do a play in which that would happen, where he would have a scene where that would happen. And at any point, one of the audience members could clap their hands and the actors would freeze. And the audience member would come and tap an actor on their shoulder and they would leave and they would work out the scene in an improvised way. So it's a way of sort of working out social problems through theater. And I was really marked by that and the power that entertainment can have to make a difference in a life beyond entertaining. Not to say that it isn't important to make people laugh, because I, I really believe that too. But I've always been uh, driven, I'm a human rights activist. Um, I've just opened that started the LA chapter of Amnesty International. And um, so both acting and activism have always been um, sort of a dual, dual, dual real estate in my heart, I suppose. Mm. I love that. I love what you're doing. I love the story and, you know, like coming full circle with this film, because I, I really do believe we're living in such a critical time as women standing in our power, using our voice. And I want to talk about this film because this film is so important. I was mentioning to you offline on my background was actually in filmmaking. I wanted to pursue it in New York City. And the films that I made during my time as a filmmaker were actually very personal. And it had to do a lot about the objectification of women, how we see our bodies, you know, in my own kind of like journey trying to figure that out. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about this film that you did about, uh, it's called Don't Silence Me. So what was your intention and vision behind that? Yeah, thank you. Um, well, basically, again, it's interesting to you to say that your films were very personal because this was extremely personal for me. It was, uh, I was sexually assaulted, drugged and assaulted um, at the beginning of my acting career in Paris by a, a very well-known French film director. And it was something that I just, tried to bury and not talk about or think about at all. This happened in December 2000, so a really long time ago. And uh, it wasn't until the Harvey Weinstein allegations uh, started coming out that I started to think, should I um, go to the press with, with, with the information, with, with the story, what had happened to me? And I was um, really confronting what had happened to me for the first time ever. And I met with Lily Bernard, who was one of the survivors of Bill Cosby. And that was a pivotal moment for me. It was the beginning of my healing when I looked into the eyes of another woman. And it was the first time that I had done that and seen somebody, seen somebody who was going, going through the same thing that I had been going through going through privately on my own and uh, I couldn't really work for five or six months I was diagnosed with PTSD went through group therapy and then individual therapy and my therapist there said you know stop even thinking about whether or not you need to come forward publicly with his name just deal with your healing and um, one of my good friends is a songwriter and a singer called Sadie Jamet, and she wrote the song Don't Silence Me for me. And she recorded that in her album last summer. And she asked me if I wanted to do the music video. So it was a big decision to say yes to that because I knew that would lead to conversations like this and, and other press. Uh, but I felt she kept on saying to me, only do it if you're going to feel empowered. And I thought about that word so much that I lost sense of what that word would even mean. I didn't know what it was gonna, if it was gonna empower me or, or whether it was gonna be too much, but I felt um, something inside of me decided to do it. And my uh, friend Sadie had a certain amount of money to put into the campaign, but the rest, or put into the cost of the video. I mean, as you know, as a filmmaker, it's so expensive to make, to make film. And so uh, 
ultimately I decided that I was going to need to do a, a GoFundMe effectively campaign to raise the rest of the money, which was another really big decision because that was then telling my story. And at that point, only my close friends and family knew. So to suddenly have my extended family, cousins and aunts and friends and the Facebook world know about it. It was colossal, um, but ultimately very healing and had an amazing amount of support. I've just been so lucky. I feel my experience of the Me Too movement has been so generous. People have, uh, from strangers to good friends, I've just felt very, very supported. Um, and so we got the money um, within, well, a day, and then I doubled it almost within a week. And uh, so we shot in Los Angeles in December and January with over 45 women primarily women who had been um, assaulted or harassed. And I wanted to show my vision with the, with the video was to show the journey of isolation that sexual assault can put you in um, and shame and the guilt of it to coming out and, and, and being able to share your story and releasing that, realizing that it's not your shame to hold and that sense of community, which is totally what, what has gotten me through the last 18 months. And from then it's just snowballed. We, we had a premiere in LA and then I was on CBS news for it the next day. And we have over 135,000 views. And I just went around Europe showing the video and doing discussions, panel discussions on the, on the Me Too movement. So it's been extraordinary. Um, I'm so glad that I said yes to doing it because the journey has been extremely healing for myself, but also uh, it's been amazing to connect to women around the world on this topic because it's, it's still taboo in a lot of places. Yes. It, it is. Wow. What a powerful story because I feel a lot of times, you know, still women, they, they do feel vulnerable in sharing their story. There's a lot of shame and guilt and, and not wanting to speak up. So I, I feel like your vehicle in which you're telling the story is definitely not only empowering for yourself, but it's giving women the opportunity to say, wait a minute, I, I can heal from this. I can share what has happened to me. And I, I just think that it's so critical for women. So when women have watched this film, what are some of the things that um, they have shared with you as a result? That's been so uh, moving and I just feel extremely humbled by that because um, I've only had one issue of somebody being nasty to me on the internet. Everything else has been extremely, extremely moving about how, how it's helped, how other women have been able to relate to it. Um, I think what strikes me with the video too is that the words that are written on people on women's mouths through some of the video and then they rip that off and I think that's very confrontational for your own self to think what words are maybe holding me back and so some people have written to me about that about what what word it, what what it's made them think basically of it's made them look at their own life in a slightly different way um, and my, my main aim with the video was for it to be a conversation starter and that's what it's done and um, I've had amazing press through the, uh, the different places that I've gone to. And this is the conversation that I want to be having. And so I think it's been an amazing vehicle for that. And that's been on the grander scale, but then on the smaller scale, yes, people writing messages. Um, it's been really, really moving. I just feel a lot of times I cry reading people's because I just, I'm so grateful for my friend having given, you know, this is an example for me of how the Me Too movement is amazing because it's a woman seeing another woman in pain and helping her to stand back up. And I think, as we were mentioning earlier before we started the show, uh, I think that's such a forte of women um, is that ability of community. And, and I think 
we've been pitted against each other for so long because there's only been one woman getting a job or there's been and I think that's gone against our nature I really believe that we we excel in conversation and community and helping each other up and uh, that is actually a great thing of the internet. I think women yes. excel in the internet because that's um, a very social environment and, a, a, and, a, and various communities, obviously Facebook or Instagram or wherever you are. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting when you look at the situation. Obviously, you know it's tragic what happened to you, but there's always a silver lining. I believe with any kind of trauma or or incident, to where you can use it as a vehicle to empower others. You know, first empowering yourself and empowering others where they feel like they couldn't have a voice. So let, let's expand this conversation about being vulnerable uh, and really using your voice. I mean, not just with something that has happened uh, with, you know, with the Me Too movement, but also in, in business and, and sharing your story. What do you think are some of the first steps in just sharing a message or using your voice that is aligned with who you are? Uh, personally, I think it's to recognize that you, your voice matters because I think sometimes you can think someone else could say it better or someone else would, has a bigger influence or what, what have I got to add to a conversation? And um, certainly for that, I'm speaking from experience. Personally, I kept thinking other people have bigger followings. They're saying different things. But you have influence over the people that you have influence on. And I think you know, nobody's going to say it as you're going to say it. And I just, I think everyone has a unique point of view. It's coming from a unique uh, experience. I mean, I just watched that film. I'm going to say it wrong. It's not bringing down the house. It's the film, it's the documentary about the women, the various women that were running for Congress um, this past year here in America. And it was so interesting. There were four women profiled and seeing all their different stories, where they'd come from, single mother, uh, one of the women, tragically her daughter had died, so that was influencing her opinion on healthcare. And I think our voices have just been not heard like that in that, in that way. You know, we, and I think now is our time to hear our different points of view and, and our, our different ways of life and where we're coming from. And that's really exciting, it's really rich. So I think it's to get out of our own way and recognize um, wherever we're coming from and whatever realm of, of business or whatever you're doing, your, your voice matters and the way that you're doing it matters. Because I think we've been living under a way of, this is the way we do it, but why is that? I think we can accept, even in a yoga class last night, some, I went to a sound bath and the teacher was saying, let's spend some time right now in, in silence first and listening to our intuition because we've stopped listening to our intuition and we listen to others before ourselves. And that really resonated with me. And I think before you can use your voice, you need to know what your voice is, even you know, to, to go in for a moment and see what, what that is that you want to say. Mm, I, I love that. I love the fact that you said earlier that um you know your viewpoint is unique and how you're saying it uh one of my uh my movements uh with my wine label it's called fierce femme wine and it's all about inspiring a dialogue to create change for women and on my wine label it, it's you know it's funny because we have similar ways of how we want to put our message out there but on my wine label it says knowing yourself is like having a superpower and all too often as women we negate that 
you know, we, we don't have anything unique or we don't know who we are. So I really appreciate what you're sharing with women right here that are listening that might be questioning themselves, well, I don't have anything unique or original, or maybe I'm too scared to put my myself out there and, you know, just kind of living in the time. I know we were talking about this earlier that we are living in an extraordinary time. And I find it interesting. I, I want to hear your take on this, but if we study history and we look at how men, and I, this is not about a bashing men, there's some great men out there, but we look historically how men have controlled the narrative of how we should show up. We've been suppressed. We weren't able to own land or have the right to vote. But I'm just kind of curious on, on your take and your perspective of this shift in paradigm. Yeah, well, fortunately, there is a shift happening here, not so in, in France, for example, where I just was, it's completely stuck, where you were suddenly very aware that each country is moving at their own pace. I, I think, too, what we have to remember is how far we've come in 100 years, because otherwise it can feel quite depressing. Why are we still here? Whereas 100 years ago, we couldn't have a bank account or even have a career. So I think that sense of us not knowing where we are, who we are, I think is so real because we've been told we're a wife or, or, or basically that's it, or a mother. We've had not, we haven't had that opportunity to explore and it's only now that we're sort of blossoming up, um, which is exciting, as you say. Um, I think it, it was interesting when I was just in Paris, I noticed outside some grand buildings like the Louvre and various things, I was looking up and just saw all these statues of men. I suddenly became very aware that all I was looking at was statues of noble men, you know, poets or whatnot. And uh, I just thought, oh, I wonder where, you know, where are the women? And I had a meeting with a woman about um, doing a summit next spring in Paris about the Me Too movement. And I was saying to her, it's interesting, you know, looking at these statues and just thinking, they're all men, where are the women? And she smiled and she said, oh, we're there, we're naked in the garden. And I thought, yes, she's right. We're the naked nymphs in the garden. That's our statues. And I think we're slowly breaking away from that. But we've had centuries of that's been our representation. Um, has been extremely limited. And I, I think now uh, is such a thrilling time, it's such a new time for us to work. So I, I, I'm not surprised because me too, sometimes I, I don't know where I'm going or what I'm doing. I think we're like the first generation or maybe my, my mother's generation able to think about other jobs and things, but it's still so new that I think, you know, it is really exciting. It's also a little intimidating or working out how do we do it? because we don't have too many examples that have gone before us that shown. I mean, obviously there are some, I don't, not discounting the women that have come before. And I mean, what I think it, it, it's just, it's so important wherever you are to, to, to get to know yourself. It's great, amazing what you put on your wine label. Cause I think that's key. And then being able to share and, and move forward because I think if we don't, we don't know that we can do it. Somebody said something a few years ago about children's programming. You've got to see it to believe that you can do it. You've got to see, you know, a cartoon of a girl being a doctor or something before you can know that you can be a doctor. And I think, um, yeah, the more visible we are in various factions in the world, whether that's banking or, or acting or, or, or gardening, whatever it is, is, is integral. We need to keep showing up and, and, um, exploring what we like, what we want to do. Mm, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I really feel that women that are creating movements like yourself and uh, myself as well are going to blaze that trail so 
other women will start seeing, wow, I can give myself permission. If she's creating this movement, I can also create my own movement. I can use my voice. I can go out there or, you know, ask for the raise or say, this is exactly what's happening to me at the workplace. You know, just really standing in your power. I want to, I want to let everyone know where they can uh, watch the film. Don't silence me. I recommend everyone watch this because it's just so powerful. So uh, where can they find that? Thank you. The website is don'tsilenceme2.com and two is T-O-O. T-O-O, great. Yeah, don'tsilenceme2.com. But you, it's also on Facebook under Don't Silence Me. So basically Google Don't Silence Me. Perfect. And we'll make sure that those links are below this interview wherever you're watching or listening. Mahari, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your journey, your vulnerability, um, and, and your movement, your film. I, I really appreciate your work and want to support you, uh, you as a female entrepreneur as well. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Until next time, this is Heather Pickin, and I want you to take in what Mari is saying is that you, you, you have to use your voice. You have to be vulnerable. And until you do, uh, you're going to be suppressing that piece of you, that unique piece of you that needs to get out there and be heard. Uh, that's it for me and live fearlessly. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. So if you like what you hear on this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Interested in becoming a sponsor or learning more about leadership for women's performance using neuroscience or business coaching, contact support at heatherpicken.com. And don't forget to grab my latest book, The La Dolce Vita Formula, by going to fearlessandfabulousbook.com. That's fearlessandfabulousbook.com.